0: What happens in the body is that um, we basically have um, cholesterol is split out into cortisol and testosterone, and then testosterone converts to estrogen. So um, from an athletic perspective, when we're under a lot of stress, we actually um, favor that cortisol side. So our body starts producing way more cortisol and actually reduces its testosterone production. Um, if you don't know testosterone's role, it basically is um, what helps to actually develop your muscles. But then also estrogen, which is produced from testosterone is responsible for muscle recovery. And so those little like micro tears and things that you hear about that are happening in your muscles, you need estrogen to repair those and then testosterone to basically like, put everything together and make a strong muscle. So the fact that you're under enough stress that you know this cortisol is being favored it's like your body basically showing you that like i don't have the tools right now to be able to support what you're trying to do
1: welcome to the feisty women's performance podcast i'm your host sarah gross ironman champion phd in women's history and founder and ceo of feisty media I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. So I chat with experts, elite athletes and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up. If you don't subscribe to our Women's Performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hello, Feisties. Today on the podcast, we are going to continue to learn how to live and perform our best, and we are going to do that through a conversation with health and wellness coach Jennifer Schmidt. I was on my way to CrossFit this morning, and on the radio, they were doing a segment where people were calling in and just answering the question, "What gives you joy?" which I thought was really cool. and people a lot of people were saying, you know, they're watching their kids, like watching their kids play or um, time with their family, a lot to do with like their, their families, basically. Um, But it was funny, because I like, what did you just think when I said, what gives you joy? Like, what, what was the first thing that came to your head? Um, Because I realized for myself, I, the first thing that came to my head was like, CrossFit gives me joy, which was like, The thing I was about to do (laughs) Um, and then when I left CrossFit we had done rope climbing I was like rope climbing gives me joy Um, and it just kind of occurred to me that you know if we can get to that place where we find not necessarily always joy but if we can find joy and contentment in like the thing that we just did or the thing that we're about to do that would be a really cool space to live from that is my thought of the day and i just wanted to make a note too about apre delight i know that having like a cbd intimacy oil as a sponsor is a little like outside of our normal box Um, i have been working on getting a sex expert here on the show and i'm excited about that but i really do think that like sex has a lot to do with our overall sense of wellness and that it's worth figuring out how to make things better. So yeah, I I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity to have tried that, or to have some CBD intimacy oil from apre and um, it's it's actually twenty percent off with our code. So I totally recommend it, and twenty percent is a significant savings. So if you're thinking about it, give it a shot, and you can support the podcast that way. So what better? thing than good sex and supporting the podcast so I just finished re-listening to this ep- this interview that I did with Jennifer Schmidt and I personally learned a ton from the episode about dealing with stress um, and also like later in the later in the conversation we get into how mindset can affect our physiology and vice versa which I thought was really interesting and learned definitely I definitely learned some new like practical techniques on dealing with stress but also stress in relation to sports performance too and how to get the best out of our bodies so jennifer is a recreation therapist and is the founder of ignite health coaching and wellness and her mission statement on her website says at ignite the goal is to help you unlock the underlying reasons why you're being limited in your life jennifer helps endurance athletes transform their health so they can train harder race faster recover quicker and enjoy life By analyzing all areas of health, rather than just physical training, health coaching uncovers what is holding you back from your fastest times. Jennifer gives athletes the tools to feel and perform their best. She's also an XTERRA off-world, (laughs) off-world, she's so good, she's off of this world. (laughs) Um, She's an XTERRA off-road triathlon world championship finisher. Jennifer and I cover a lot of ground, but some of my favorite points that come out of this interview are learning how emotions present themselves in the body and how to incorporate that understanding into our training. Uh, We talk about inflammation and the immune system and how we can change our thoughts to get to where we want to go. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy, the more you sweat. So they are secure and don't slide down your face. Even when you're running in hot conditions, no matter what sport you do, Tafosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach, they are super reasonably priced, which I love so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to TafosiOptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in feisty media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at TafosiOptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. And then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there.
0: Hey Jennifer, how you doing today? Hey, not bad yourself.
1: Pretty good. Um, so when we talked earlier, uh, earlier, we were just saying before the show that earlier it feels like months and months ago, but I think it was probably like slightly over a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you know, I, I was really interested in learning more about how you do your coaching because I feel like it completely aligns with what we're about with this podcast in terms of taking a holistic approach to performance across like our four pillars. So I thought, oh, Let's have you on the podcast and talk about like how you actually coach, um, do your health coaching. And so like you say, you do, you take a holistic approach to health coaching. What does that mean for you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. I'm really happy to be here. And um, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to chat with on the podcast was because of that holistic approach. And I know that you guys have kind of your pillars set up and are really looking at that for women in sport. Um, so for me, I guess, holistic health coaching is kind of, <laughs> it's kind of complex. And I think when a lot of people hear holistic, they think like, super alternative medicine, right? Woo-woo kind of stuff, right? And I mean, yeah, okay, there's some of that in there, too. But basically, like, The way I think of it, and I think the easiest way to talk about it is to kind of use an analogy. Um, So, I mean, I'm sure there's probably lots of triathletes or cyclists or whatever listening, but uh, regardless, everybody's aware of wheels. (laughs) So I kind of think of holistic health like as a wheel. A
1: wheel. Okay, we we can do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you think about all of the spokes on the wheel are basically the different components of our health. So, you know, things like, of course, exercise is a big one for athletes. Um, Things like stress, the environment that you live and work in. Um, You know, your relationships, your the things you do for fun, your sleep, how fulfilled you feel in your life, like your mindset, all of these types of things are playing into your overall health. So Mm -hmm. I think what happens with athletes is that um, we get stuck. In certain areas, right? So we get really focused on like the physical training, of course, training Mm -hmm. our bodies. You know, sometimes we get into the nutrition stuff, which is usually a hot topic, we might dabble a little bit in sleep, we might dabble in sports psychology, but there's a whole bunch of pieces or a whole bunch of spokes, if you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. that are not being addressed. And so when they're all different lengths or, you know, addressed in different ways, then we don't actually get a holistic wheel that rolls properly. So when I'm coaching, I try to look at an athlete's entire life. Um, And everything that's going on and addressing them because at the end of the day, everything that we do has an effect on the inside of our body and how our physiology works. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the approach I guess I take from a holistic perspective.
1: Yeah, that's, it's really interesting you say that we get stuck in things to do with training or nutrition because I, we found sort of the same thing from a different angle, but when we did some polls ahead of our women's performance summit, we asked people what they were the most interested in and nutrition came out the top of what folks most, in, most interested in and then training physiology pieces were number two um, but in fact we find that we're getting the best engagement when we're having like deeper conversations about how our culture is affecting the way that we proceed like that like diet culture and those types of conversations or our body image and so that like that actually like we think we're interested in nutrition but really, we're kind of interested. We are kind of interested holistically in like how we view these things.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, like, I am like such a physiology nerd. Like, I don't know how, how else to explain it. Like, I just love knowing how the body works and how interconnected it is. And like Mm -hmm. the fact, like once I started learning about this stuff and it was like, wow, like everything I do, it's a little bit freaky a bit, but like everything I do affects what happens inside of my body. So like, how come we Mm. don't look at that from a, from an athlete perspective of like how the things we do every day change our performance. So I just think it's fascinating and so fun to work with people on.
1: Yeah. I'm like very curious to get into the details of what this means, but I, I want to stay here for a minute because like, how did you become interested in this? Like, did something happen or did something hap- like happen that you made you perceive the need for this holistic approach?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was quite young, actually. I was about, I think I was about 14 when this was happening. So I was in junior high, um, pretty heavy at that point into basketball I mean I've always been some sort of an athlete but that point the obsession was basketball (laughs) and uh I was just like I woke up every day for like ever I just felt like crap like my stomach was nauseous my head was dizzy my brain was foggy like I was always a really good student. And I found I was having troubles paying attention at school. Like I developed asthma, which I'd never had, like all these really weird things were going on. And I went in to see my physician and it just, it this went on for months of this, like, Hmm, sounds like maybe this, try this pill. Uh, maybe let's go see the specialist. Nothing comes up. Everything looks normal. And then it kind of ended up after about, it was about like nine or 10 months of all these tests and pills and, and stuff that, um, basically the doctor told my mom they didn't actually tell me um that it was all in my head and that I had a major psychological disorder and that I was like making stuff up for attention oh, and man. which was like I it makes me sick to hear now because now I've actually seen this happen to other people when I worked in psychiatry but like um my mom at that point like I guess apparently earlier on in this process which I didn't know about one of her colleagues had put across um, uh, phone number on her desk or whatever to call a naturopathic doctor and I guess as an aside very different from a naturopath like naturopathic doctor is actually a physician um, they just use all like, different approaches mm-hmm. um, but so I went and saw a naturopathic doctor and I'll like I don't think I'll ever forget this day in my life so I went in and of course it was a little bit easier for him to do diagnostics because I had a bunch of tests done already Um, but he listened to my stomach and, and he got all like giddy. And I was like, this is weird. (laughs) And he's like, I only have read about this in textbooks. Like I don't even, I've never, never seen this in real life. And it turned out that what was happening was I had so much yeast in my stomach and the byproduct of yeast is alcohol. And so I actually had so much alcohol running through my system that I actually was drunk like enough that I would have blown over if I would have had my driver's license.
1: Oh my God. So I
0: was like drunk and hung over for like a year. And apparently it was all in my head. And so that kind of like started that whole thing for me of like, there's got to be something else going on. It's not just about the symptoms. We got to ask the question, like, why are the symptoms happening? Yeah. Um, So that's kind of, that's where that journey started and it's time and time again kind of happened for me and maybe it's just me, but, um, you know, where Western medicine hasn't always had the answers for me, but when I actually dig deeper and, and dive into what's happening inside my body that I actually find answers and find wellness. So, yeah.
1: So interesting. I think we've all had experiences and this has come up on the podcast before of like healthcare professionals not believing us, Mm -hmm. you know, I certainly have, um, during my pregnancy, or I've on a few occasions been taken as someone who's like exercise addicted and eating disordered, which is like, those were normal things for people to, if you're like that, that's fine. But I, where I was a pro athlete, you know, and, and like, just because the doctor didn't understand what that was. Right. You know? And then it was like treating me with, in a different way. I'm like, Hey, no, this is my job. Yeah. Yeah, you know and try to get me to stop exercising it's just weird you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah I think we've we've all kind of had in big and small ways although that sounds huge like drunk for a year and a half sounds pretty (laughs) awful
0: yeah it's wild you hear about it sometimes in the news like it'll come up as somebody will have had like drunk driving charges and like will have um you know refuted it or whatever um went to court and disputed it is the word I'm looking for and and then it comes back as that and it's just like insane so.
1: can I just ask what was the fix for that
0: um, mostly diet stuff um so yeast feeds off of um, sugar so carbohydrates of any sort so I was like oh my god as an athlete it's like the hardest diet I've ever done in my life zero carbohydrates um Whoa. I think I could have like two su- servings of fruit a day and it was like I could eat like berries I think I ate a lot of eggs so it was like no dairy no grains um, like no carbs. Um, wow. Yeah. So, when I was on that, luckily I was like really diligent. I stuck with it. Most people are on it, I think, for like well over a year. I think I managed to get, I managed to kick it after about six months because I just like didn't eat anything.
1: And then you could reintroduce carbs after that.
0: Yeah. Once we killed everything off. So, yeah, it was wild.
1: <laughs> that is wild. Okay. So, then I guess like, how do you go about qualifying yourself then? Because I mean, nobody can have you know, six PhDs, or maybe you do, you could tell me that you do. But like, uh, how do you qualify yourself for that kind of like holistic, multidisciplinary approach?
0: Yeah, so um, a couple of things. So I have kind of two different I don't know, certifications, if you want to call it that. So I'm a recreation therapist. So that's a bachelor's degree. Um, and that gives you a really good perspective, like on um, more, I would say more of the mental side of things. Um, And I worked in psychiatry for quite a number of years. And also, (laughs) across the kind of the whole lifespan, I worked in pediatrics for a period, I worked in geriatrics, you know, so you kind of get a sampling of how things work health wise in a lot of areas. Um, And then from a coaching perspective, I have a what's called a functional medicine certified health coach uh, certification. So, it's done through um, a coaching academy that is connected to the Institute of Functional Medicine. And so that's kind of that's the um, education body that trains physicians in this root cause functional medicine kind of approach. So we go through, um, you know, coaching techniques and those types of things, of course. And then uh, we spend the rest of the time actually learning more of the um, like the physiology and and these types of things, things that are happening in the body. hmm. The other part of it too I guess in my degree um, my rec therapy degree I think I might <laughs> apparently my my uh, advisor told me this when I was in university but I was like the only recreation student who ever took a minor in physiology She's <laughs> just like why do you want to do that I'm like because I love the body it's so cool <laughs> so yeah there's a lot of a lot of knowledge and, and just general interest there
1: so yeah yeah and do you still like are you still an athlete yourself
0: yeah, yeah, I am actually an off-road triathlete. So um mm-hmm. I'm training pretty hard. Sterra. <laughs> Sterra. And then I'm also doing um I am going, well, hopefully we'll see what uh, triathlon Canada says, but I'm supposed to be going to Romania for the ITU multi-sport cross-tri. Oh stuff. cool. So we'll yeah. see. If they haven't decided because it's a little sketchy over there, but
1: Right. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave that one. Yeah. Um, but like, okay. So, so basically you're, you know, you work with mostly athletes or active women.
0: Yeah. So I do, um, I do work with a lot of women. I mean, being a woman, I totally just, I like, I, I feel everybody, there's a lot more going on. I feel like from, a, um, for women, from that health standpoint, just because we have so many more, like, I mean, our, um, hormones are more complex, um, we've got so many other things that can really interact with that as opposed to in men. I mean, I do see male athletes as well, but, um, I do, I love working with women.
1: That's funny. Of course you do. I, 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 I um, I'm so focused. I've been so focused on women's performance. It's like my blinders are on. I'm like, oh yes, people work with men also. Yes, yeah. that's, that's fine. Um, and so then what are some of like, what, what types of people become your clients? Like how do they find you and how do you start to work together?
0: Yeah so client wise um basically anybody that is interested in like a getting like, their body working its optimal best mm-hmm. um and it has like some desire to get better so I like I don't care I have I have a a client right now that calls himself a Homer Simpson runner I'm not sure if I exactly know what that means but like he doesn't see himself as being like an athlete by any means but he is annoyed because the women run faster than him and he wants to get better so it's like if there's just that like little tiny bit of drive then I'm cool with it. I don't care if you're like the slowest runner and you're wanting to increase by just a hair, or if you're a professional athlete and you want to make huge gains, it doesn't matter. Just, um, yeah, loving sport and wanting to make changes in the body.
1: Right. And are you writing like a training program for them or do they have their own training program and you're dealing with that? like all the auxiliary pieces
0: yeah so it's everything but the physical part so like you can still have your coach or your training program or whatever that looks like and then I basically touch everything except the physical side of the puzzle for for that
1: okay so then how do you tie in the mental health pieces
0: Mm, yeah so mental health is a big one because I actually do uh, like my other branch I guess of my um of my business is mental health so but I do tie it in a lot with athletes because a lot of symptoms that come up for people um end up actually being like emotions kind of just like presenting themselves in the body right or like suppressed emotions not always but like oftentimes things that we just haven't dealt with um and so like as a like a health coach can't actually deal with that but as a recreation therapist I can so Um, You know, sometimes I'm using um, like your actual sport to help to kind of deal with these things and process and, um, you know, using different training sessions or even working with somebody's coach to just incorporate a certain type of training session for like emotional exploration or we use something totally non-related to sport, right? Anything that kind of a person is interested in or enjoys, we can kind of use that as therapy for them. Um, Yeah, to come through and, and get some of that stuff sorted out as well.
1: Right. Okay. So one of the things, okay. One of the things I thought would be good for us to do is for our, us to do maybe like a mini session Yeah. so that myself and even our audience could, be, could figure out or could, cause I'm still curious, like, what does this actually look like in practice? Right. So like, if I came into your, um, if I came into your clinic and I was looking for help from you, like, what would I, what would I expect or what, where would we start?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I guess just as like a bit of a preamble to it. So all of my work I actually do virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody, I mean, if somebody does happen to live in the same town as me, yeah, well, sure, I'll meet up with you. But into <laughs> your virtual fine, but... I hear
1: I'm in your virtual clinic. How about yeah, that? Yeah, you're
0: in my virtual <laughs> clinic. So yeah, that's uh, one thing to know. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, right. yeah, I can I can meet with you. Um yeah. so maybe what we'll do, Sarah is we'll just um, I'll do kind of a little bit more of like an intake questiony type thing with you okay. um, usually these take like two hours so we'll
1: right I'm to- sure like can we fit like <laughs> weeks and weeks of yeah. stuff into like you know 20 minutes
0: yeah um, <laughs> but, but like it
1: just anything that could help me and our audience understand like where Like what you get from that intake form Mm -hmm. and asking questions into like the practices themselves.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then I can give you kind of just like a brief, like what's going through my head of maybe what would work. Um, Sure. Yeah. Let's do a little mini one. So. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for coming in today. Um, It takes, you know, a lot of courage to really uh, come here and to be vulnerable and talk about your health from all different perspectives. So I appreciate that you're here and sharing those things with me. Um, So do you want to give me a little bit of um, background as to what made you want to come in and see me?
1: Okay, so I'll do i I'll do like a real problem. Sure. <laughs> so real coaching, right I don't, now. <laughs> yeah, I don't like make it up. But okay, so one of the things I've been dealing with recently in relation to my physical activity is that I found this. I find it in stressful periods of my life, which I've only had two. One of which is right now. Um, my the previous one was during my divorce, mm-hmm. right, where I felt like the stress load actually made um things like hard training, like interval training or um, hard heavy lifting, like where I'm anaerobic or that kind of like, I do CrossFit. That's Mm. something that is so like actually going and doing, going, drilling it for 15 minutes at CrossFit, which I love actually feels too intense for my body. Mm. Right. So for a little while, I've just been doing like easy jogs, more walking, you know, I probably should do more yoga or something like that, relaxing (laughs) stuff. Um, But I would be interested in finding like more ways to balance that because I do like, I miss it. I love it. It's been a few weeks of a stressful business situation for me. So I'd love to find like some ways to actually like reduce my stress, whatever's needs to happen so that I can do the occasional hard hit again, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, when you're these stressful times you've had in your life, your body just kind of um, you know, reacts in such a way that doesn't allow you to perform and maybe like exert the energy that you really feel like you want to, to kind of deal with the situation. Is that kind of accurate?
1: Yeah. It has to be an extreme form of stress, okay. you know, like where I'll have like a little heart palpitation. I'll have mm-hmm. to control the amount of coffee I'm having, um, alcohol, things, anything that's like I don't even know what that the category is, but I know what I need to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like um anything that like causes or like remove myself from other stressful situations. Um I work mental stuff a lot. Like, but that's those are like super stressful points of my in my life. Like so normally, like I I and a little bit of stress is good, right? Like I'm an entrepreneur, yeah. like I love, like I like take risk all the time. (laughs) So this is like kind of like next level thing that I'm like, I don't quite have the skills, you know, to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So like, tell me a little bit more about what, like when you're having those like ultra stress moments, which like Mm -hmm. you said, don't happen that often. Like what's the difference between like, say just like a normal level of stress and you're working out for, um, you know, how does your body feel then versus, um, what's that cue that like, whoa, it's stress, definitely stress. That's, um, impacting me right now.
1: Um, great point. I think I feel, I think it's like the way my heart rate is responding or some kind of like, uh, like I just, I feel kind of not good working out. Like I'll feel almost kind of nauseous. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's actually kind of difficult to explain. Um, yeah. I of like, I just know, um, <laughs>
0: That's okay too, though. Like intuition is huge. Um, and being, you know, I have to say that the fact that you're in a place where you're in tune enough with your body to recognize that there is something there, even if it's not something that's easily explainable, like you just, you just know that there's something wrong. Right? I think what
1: it is, what it is, is that I, first of all, I've had this experience before going through my divorce. So I have that reference point, but also because I was an elite athlete for 14 years, I have a lot of experiences of pushing through pain. Right. Right? That have turned out very, very well for me. So I recognize like the pain to push through when you're trying to get to another fitness level. Um, And there's different brands of that. Right. And so I think I, I define it more by what it's not than what it is. So like this is not anything that I've experienced before as an elite athlete actually trying to achieve my physical best. If it feels different and it feels off.
0: Yeah. It's not the pain to push through. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. You bring that up because I think that's, that's really valuable information, um, for me to understand because sometimes athletes, right. They have that probably a mental and maybe a bit of a physical block. So, Mm. um, knowing that piece is huge. So when you're kind of under these levels of stress, what's happening for you outside of your training other than like the actual stressor itself, but what, how does your body feel? I
1: guess. Um, I've, I've had some extra fatigue. Um, honestly, like the mid afternoon slump has been bigger. Um, I'm definitely fatigued in the evening. I, if I have a glass of wine, it will make me very tired. You know, like wine can make me tired. Occasionally this is like definitively it will. (laughs) Um, so little things like that. Um, I do, I will spend loads of time feeling normal also.
0: Right. Okay. So there is like, it's kind of that fatigue thing seems to be the fluctuation fluctuating for you, like moving in and out throughout the day. And like, it sounds like, uh, you know, maybe some blood sugar stuff going on, especially with like that mid afternoon slump, and maybe that, um, you know, certain foods are like you said, the wine is kind of affecting your energy levels. Um, is there anything that, like, I know you mentioned, you need, you know, some strategies or things like that to help cope with those extreme levels of stress, but is there anything you're already doing that you feel like helps to support you through these times?
1: Um, I think just the, the, like my willingness to dial back and to go out and do easy jogs more or something that's less intense. Um, like I'm sort of happy to do that for a short time, but I just don't want to, like, okay, but I don't want to always do that. Um, yeah. that would be one. I also, yeah, I definitely use like, um, my mental tools in terms of like, if I have a stressful emotion, like I use, I really think like emotion is a, uh, something to learn from, but not something necessarily to react from. Right if that makes sense like that's kind of my belief system so sometimes like if i'm feeling a strong emotion i'll say like what is this what do i have to learn like it's about me not about someone else mm-hmm. um that's even really part of my value a big part of my value system so i'll sit with that emotion you know um more and i just find that i have to do that more like i have to just sit in what are like not very fun emotions of of stress worry anger you know
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that you're, you know, acknowledging and able to sit with that is going to make a really big difference for you, um, in your recovery process as well. And just like, um, instead of, you know, shoving it down and it showing up somewhere else, then mm-hmm. you're actually kind of dealing with that emotion in, in the time and experiencing it, which is, is huge. So I try to, I definitely yeah. <laughs> try. it's hard, you know, it is really yeah. hard, but you're making the effort, which is, um, is really fantastic. And
1: well, I, I think sometimes in. we like get down this road of like believing our own shit, mm-hmm. you know, oh, totally. I, and I think everybody does to some extent. And then I'm like, Whoa, wait a second. Like I, this is actually like, don't lead with your mood. If you're in a bad mm-hmm. mood, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like take a step back, like don't make decisions for that place or don't act out for that place. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So outside of your physical activity, then are you noticing anything else happening for you? Maybe like, you know, sleep stuff or, um, you know, maybe things like, uh, maybe reactivity. I know it sounds like maybe you're not super reactive, I guess, emotional wise, or at least you try not to be, but, um, you know, maybe thought processes, anything like that going on that you could see connections.
1: I did have t- sometimes where I woke up in the night, mm. you know, um, Yeah. So that phase has passed where I'm like actually losing sleep and then dealing with fatigue during the day for that. But I definitely had that kind of thing where I'd be woken up in the night, um, stressing or not be able to go to sleep. And like, not even necessarily, again, it's like not necessarily perseverating, but actually just like a feeling like an emotion or like a a shot of like adrenaline or cortisol or whatever it is. Um, so, but I've come sort of come through that phase and been sleeping better.
0: Okay, well, that's good to hear. <laughs> I'm glad it sounds like maybe things are like, either you're dealing with them better, or at least, you know, things are start- starting to be less stressful, which is a positive. So um, the, sk- the things that you are doing in your day are making a difference. But that's not to say that, you know, you are still noticing effects on your physical body. Mm-hmm. So I guess like, if we like pretend we zoom out for a minute and sure. to Jennifer's head,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I want. That's um, yeah, want. exactly.
0: So <laughs> kind of what's going through my mind right now is that um, I mean, stress absolutely, like physiologically, has a ma- major, major impact. So what happens in the body is that um, we basically have um, cholesterol is split out into cortisol and testosterone, and then testosterone converts to estrogen. So. Um, from an athletic perspective, when we're under a lot of stress, we actually um, favor that cortisol side. So our body starts producing way more cortisol and actually reduces its testosterone production. Um, If you don't know testosterone's role, it basically is um, what helps to actually develop your muscles. But then also estrogen, which is produced from testosterone is responsible for muscle recovery. And so those little like micro tears and things that you hear about that are happening in your muscles, you need estrogen to repair those and then testosterone to basically like, put everything together and make a strong muscle. So the fact that you're under enough stress that you know this cortisol is being favored it's like your body basically is showing you that like i don't have the tools right now to be able to support what you're trying to do right. um, i'm not going to oh, be able to recover i'm not going to yeah. be able to do the strength and so it's yeah. actually your body like being like stop
1: yeah. <laughs> i, I was gonna say this. Yeah, I was going to say about recovery too. I just didn't quite get it out that I feel like my recovery is a little bit hindered.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, these things are like, they're real and they're happening, which Mm -hmm. is crazy. So from my perspective, I guess, it's not necessarily about... Um, you know, getting rid of the stress because, you know, like, I mean, like your divorce. Your divorce wasn't just going to disappear. Your stuff you're going through with your business right now, you can't just be like, "See ya, it's gone." Like, so it's about basically when our body is under that much stress, it it's telling it it's, thinks, I guess, that it's not in a safe situation. So it's in fight or flight all the time, which is doing the cortisol stuff. That's so what we, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like mm-hmm. constantly producing cortisol. So then what we need to do is actually um, give ourselves opportunities to tell our body it's safe. So, I mean, there's a million and one things a person could do, but it's, um, you know, things like, like deep breathing exercises, we hear about lots. Um, The reason it works is because it trips your vagus nerve, which puts you into that rest or digest mode um, cold showers, <laughs> uh,
1: cold showers,
0: cold showers. It's another okay. thing. Yeah. That, that trips that same nerve, um, and puts you into relaxation or like even things like a person, like if you're um, a swimmer or a triathlete, like just getting in the pool or getting in the open water, uh, makes huge difference for, for calming that system down. Hmm. Um, exercise still is fantastic, but just of course, those lower levels, so your body can tolerate it. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many things singing, humming, Oh, right. Like get in the car and just like give her rock out of the car.
1: (laughs) I love rocking out of the car. And I do notice I've done it like slightly less lately, you know, because I like maybe like problem solving in my head. So yeah, that's,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't have to be like these huge I think some people think when it's like stress management stuff that we're going to have to have like this massive routine to take care of it. And like, we're going to need like two hours of self-care in the morning or whatever. Well, that's, (laughs) it doesn't have to be. That's what I'm thinking is it's like, Oh, like, when am I going to go? You know, I'm not going to go to yoga. I'm just
1: not (laughs) like, I just, I just don't have time for that.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's like, kind of I like to think of it especially from a stress management perspective is like how do I weave this into the things I'm already doing right like you're already having a shower so just crank it to cold for the last minute and then get out or um yeah like when you're driving crank the tunes sing along um these types of things like they're so small but they're already things you're doing you just have to like more intentionally include them right mm-hmm.
1: wow i love that okay okay and the breathing piece what does it look like is it like um I think I was listening to, do you know, do you know who Andrew Huberman is?
0: I've heard the name, but I can't think of what his stuff is.
1: He, I, I don't know a ton about this stuff, but I, I know he's just like the the man of the hour right now in terms of like, <laughs> in terms of like, like health stuff, but he was suggesting on this podcast doing this deep breathing thing where you, you'd breathe. I think it was like, you inhale twice. or you exhale twice.
0: Oh, interesting. I haven't yeah. heard that one. What
1: do you recommend for breathing practices?
0: Um, there's lots of different stuff. And I mean, it depends on, um, kind of what, I guess, sort of like what time of day you're using it. One of the classic ones that, uh, that people use before sleep. And of course that's calming at any point of t- day, um, is what's called four, seven, eight breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically you inhale for four counts, you hold that for seven and then you exhale for eight. But the key, key to that is the long exhale. So that long breathing out is what actually, um, is what triggers the vagus nerve to just right. whew, you down yeah right. mm-hmm. okay yeah cool. but it's kind of anything I mean I think too with a stress um our minds get so busy and it, like breathing exercises can be so hard so I I especially like four seven eight because you actually have to count mm-hmm. your brain is not good at counting and doing other things at the same time mm-hmm. and so it's actually mm-hmm. kind of like a dual purpose right it distracts the brain but it also kind of puts you into rest and digest so
1: right Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, I love that. Thank you. That's so yeah. helpful. No um, okay, and I did I obviously didn't like. I wanted an example because I just wanted our audience to understand, and I hope that's been helpful for people too. But like, what are some of the other like common pitfalls you see, or what do you see? Types of things you see active women bringing to to you as, as their main challenges.
0: Yeah. Stress is a really big one. Um, I see a lot of people with, uh, like gut problems. So, um, like I'm not a dietitian, So I think a lot of people expect that, like, you know, they're going to come in and I'm going to give them like a diet plan for their sport, which is not actually the route I go. What I'll look at is like inflammation. Um, and even, I guess, just from that perspective, um, you know, things like, recurring injuries fatigue is huge like if i if i take anything from this people fatigue is not normal in athletes like if you wake up like you know you're going to be fatigued from you know a hard workout that's normal but like if you're waking up every single day and you don't feel rested like there's something wrong and it's probably inflammation um so that's a big one
1: and then when you say inflammation like what does that mean specifically and what are the solutions to that
0: yeah so inflammation i guess is just kind of um I mean, there's obviously good times for inflammation if we're injured or if we're sick or whatever. Our body, our um, immune system is basically reacting to something that's foreign in the body or something that shouldn't be there Um, or it's helping us to heal in some way. But when we get inflammation, that's, um, I'll call it like chronic low grade inflammation. So for example, if we're, you know, eating lots of foods that aren't great for us or we're under a lot of stress or, um, you know, you're using, say, Um, I don't know cleaning products or like deodorant or something that it has um, chemicals in it that are foreign to your body um, your immune system is going to react to that and basically just be fighting it all the time so it's kind of actually like another stressor it's almost like a silent stressor that's happening all the time inside of our body and so it actually takes like it's almost like. there's only so many resources that our body has to be able to use. And I mean, it's a little bit simplistic to think of it that way, but like, say we have 10 resources and eight of them are being used to like, get rid of the like, um, offenders in the system or whatever.
1: Right.
0: We only have two to do the rest of the stuff. So like the solutions to that, like low inflammatory diet is huge. So, um, Considering the things that we're eating, um, you know, lower, like lots of whole foods, um, trying to minimize packaged foods, those types of things. Stress management is a big one. Um, I work lots with people on, especially women, on um, cleaning up their personal care products and their, their cleaning products and that type of stuff because there's so many Um, inflammatory things, but also endocrine disruptors that are changing your hormonal cycle and affecting your periods. And um, we all I mean, I'm pretty sure most people that are listening to this podcast know how important like our our periods are in determining our health and telling us so much. So um, these types of things can have massive impacts on on your performance and on how your body works. So lots of different pieces. um, And it's not all just like, a lot of people just think of it as only things that are going into your body, but like stress is huge or like relationships, job stress, um, lack of sleep is one of the top inflammatory things too. So mindset or negative thought can actually put us into an inflammatory process, which is wild. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's like, I, sometimes it scares people. I think because <laughs> it's like everything causes inflammation, but there's also lots we can do to deal with it too. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really like, I'm just so curious about this, you know, like as an entrepreneur too, like I've, I'm lucky I have a couple of really great mentors in my world who like have been wildly successful in business and, and entrepreneurship, but some of the things they tell me, I see it in myself too. Like those, like the chronic stress of like the years and years of putting in 14, 16 hour days of work, maybe not 16. I'm a kid. I don't do sixteen. Yeah. But like, you know, 10 to 14 of my normal, you know, yeah. like, day in day out then add on which I don't actually find that that stressful like when things are going well I'm like I love my work so it's not a stress um when something gets when something stressful comes in right or when there's a stressful situation then it like you know and then um it's like harder to find the bandwidth to continue to put that time in you know and I recognize like there's a couple of people I know who have you know chronic health problems um later because of it so anything I can do to like mitigate that um I definitely appreciate
0: yeah yeah and like I said it doesn't have to be huge things but it's just like if it's and I, I, like stress is a really weird word because a lot of it is about perception like you said you don't um you know working 10 hour days 12 hour days is not a big deal for you because you love what you're doing um you know, and so you're not perceiving it as stressful. Your body, depending on what's happening, could still be reacting to it. But your perception does play a really big part in how the physiology um, changes around that. Mm-hmm. But um, like I would I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I would expect that maybe some of your friends that have this like chronic stress probably also perceive it as being super stressful and their language (laughs) reflects that. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah,
1: that's such a great reminder too, that like we can like the power of our minds too, in terms of like the outcomes for our physical performance.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Like just being able to see the research on even just how powerful, like a few negative thoughts are on everything that happens in your body. Like it changes your microbiome. Like, in their, your gut and all these little microbes that live there that basically like man I, I swear they do everything. <laughs> but like even just like 15 minutes of of stressful thinking can actually alter your microbiome, which is just insane.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> wow. Okay. So how do you what do you recommend for changing that like how do you change someone's thinking?
0: Yeah. It's it's a definitely a challenge and like, um, this is where like that recreation therapy really, really comes in for me. So, um, there's a lot of like, mm, like cognitive restructuring, I guess you could call it. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't do like, you know, um, like cognitive behavioral therapy. I might use those types of techniques, but it might be just exploring like, um, you know, say through like a writing process or through just like, spitballing stuff at me just to be like okay so I'm seeing like these types of words coming up um and like being more conscious of it um you know whether that's through the writing whether that's through speaking um it could be things like um like mindfulness is huge and I know (laughs) usually if I talk about mindfulness my athletes are oh god (laughs) why um it's so it's super super important just to be aware of it right because if we don't know it's happening then we don't know we we can't do anything hundred
1: percent. Yeah. yeah. And so do you recommend that? Like, I know I worked with a sports psych during my career. Like, do you recommend your, your the athletes you work with replace negative thoughts? Like once you become mindful, like you said, like, do you just try to directly replace? That's something that's actually worked fairly well for me is like to be aware then when the negative thoughts coming up and to actually, even though you may not believe it, like, like with psych, here's an easy one cycling. Like I always struggled with my cycling, especially my strength. I'm not naturally a strength athlete. Right. So I just like would tell myself that I love Hills, a very, yeah. very simple replacement for like, Oh my God, this is hard <laughs> when I'm going up a Hill to like, like, I love this. This is so fun. I like, and that actually worked really well for me. Is that something that you use too?
0: Yeah. And it's like replacement. Um, yeah, replacement definitely has a place. And I think it's, um, it can be used quite successfully and some people love it and some people hate it. Um, so that might be one thing, like, um, what you're talking about I would call like, I guess an affirmation or something like our mantra to replace, um, is huge. I actually find that to be almost like a, I would call it an advanced level strategy only because you actually have to develop the awareness of that thought first before you can do anything with it. The other thing I work with people on, and if, if you're ever curious if, um, in um, actually like, training this which I would suggest people do is um what I call attentional or I guess I don't call it that though the psychology world calls it attentional shifting um so it's kind of like this concept that like it's like your brain is almost like a tv and you can like change the channel and so there's actually like different channels that you can tune into so instead of um you know associating with the thought we get engaged in say like the environment around us and then we can train our brain to like um with we'll use cycling as an example like you could start to say like count the lines on the road or um you know you can start to like counting like i said earlier counting is so big for like distracting the mind you can start to count your pedal strokes um you could do a body scan to get like more in tune with other places in your body that maybe are doing really, really well. And you're li- while your legs are burning <laughs> or these types of things. Right. So you can start to just like actively practice shifting channels. Um, and then you can pull that into a training or a race or whatever.
1: Yeah. One thing that's reminding me, like one attention thing I would use during Ironman, right. Because it's a very long race and your brain trends, your brain is trying to convince you the entire time. Well, somewhere from about two thirds to three quarters of the way on the bike for the rest of the race, your brain's trying to convince you that you're in an extreme amount of discomfort and you should stop, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. which is <laughs> yeah. like a survival mechanism. Right? Totally. It makes sense, right. So like, one of the things I used to do is just like, kind of do that, like a little body scan and be like, I'm actually not that uncomfortable. Like I know what real pain feels like. And I'm at like a two out of 10 like, like my just, legs
0: hurt but nothing else does yeah like
1: i'm just ticking over with like mild discomfort that entire time but it's amazing your brain's going to convince you you're at an 8 out of 10 of discomfort and you need to stop um But when you like do that scan, you're like, oh, that's not true. (laughs) You know, it's just like a refocus. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's such a good way to like combat that. Like, oh man, like our, our primitive brain, if you want to call it that, like takes over. right? And we need to, we need to find out ways to deal with it because it, it doesn't get to be in charge, but unfortunately it's the one that is dominant because it's the, you know, the part of the brain that basically like keeps us alive. So.
1: Yeah, and, and one of the we're we're totally off script now, but one of the things, one of the things I think a lot about is like how we like what our it's not just about thoughts, but it's actually about our belief systems, right? Like what I believe about myself, about the, my athletic performance, about the future of my business, etc., is extremely important, right? Yeah. So if I'm trying to motivate someone, like now I've got a team of ten people, you know. A, for my business. And I'm looking at them and I'm trying to go, okay, like, how are they motivated? Not just for myself, because I do it for myself, but what is it that they believe? Right. And how can we like encourage the beliefs that are helping them get forward, both in life and as, as an employee. And also like, how can we sort of discourage those belief systems or help them shift that, but like, you know, no, actually (laughs) you're, you don't, you know, I don't know what a woman might think, like someone might think like, you don't actually look bad in those jeans. You look amazing. (laughs) That's a really simple, like really simple example, but like, are there ways that you help people to shift their belief systems?
0: Yeah. And I think, um, it's funny that you bring this up because I actually am teaching a session on this tonight about like athletic identity and like, um, how, I guess those pro- those thoughts about ourselves as an athlete uh, really change things. And I think that conversation really just starts with the simple question of how do you see yourself as an athlete? And some people will automatically like be like, "Yeah, I think of myself as an athlete," and I might not be the best at that, but they identify as an athlete. Whereas there's some people when I ask them that question, they're like, "I'm not an athlete." I'm like, "Yeah, well, you you are even my Homer Simpson guy. <laughs> you're running like." you know, 120 kilometers a month, like, I think he might be an athlete, (laughs) you know, so I mean, whatever that line is, but a lot of people just don't perceive themselves that way. And so they don't uh, carry themselves in these types of things. So starting the conversation with something as simple as that, and just helping them to understand where their beliefs are around those types of things, and then being able to kind of directly address whatever, um, guess negative that's kind of a simple way to think about it but like negative thought process that they may or may not have around that and I mean of course there's the other extreme as well right like you get like overconfident athletes um and that can be damaging to you know performance and things as well so it's kind of just like (laughs) bringing them bringing them back to reality but not in like a harsh way it's like we can have strengths and that's awesome but we don't need to like overinflate. I guess
1: Totally, and what do you think that is? Like I've often called like that kind of over overconf- overconfidence, underconfidence. You know, like sometimes with some people who where they s- seem to overinflate their abilities or their whatever. It's it's coming from a place actually of not not actually believing in themselves. Yeah. Like, is, do you find that to be true too? Am I off there? Is there anything? Yeah, do you suggest for for people like that or for dealing with people like that?
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. A lot of people. Um... Probably have either been trained or even read somewhere that they're supposed to, um, you know, have this. Uh, fake it till you make it kind of concept, I guess, that like I should just believe that I'm going to be the best because that's the only way to get me there. And I mean, to some extent that's true. It kinda, it's kind of like your I love hills thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that's a less uh, like a different example, I guess. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if we convince ourselves and tell ourselves something enough, we're going to believe it. Um And so whether believing it actually translates into action, like if I think, I don't know, it's just easy. Like I'm the best Exter athlete, there is. I'm gonna have a mindset slip here and say I'm not because I know I'm not. That's fine. If I was, if I wanted to believe that though and convince myself of that, would that actually translate to my performance? Maybe it would improve, but I, I really don't think I would ever be that. Um. So it's kind of like that fine line. But there also, there can be a point where it is actually like a psychological disorder, right? Like, okay, narcissism is not just a mm-hmm. word we throw around. It's actually a diagnosis. Yeah so Mm
1: -hmm. yeah right that's good to know that there is actually a line where it's like (laughs) someone can be over the line
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and it does and it's and at that point it's like it's kind of out of their control which is unfortunate because like narcissism is uh drives me crazy because I see a lot of stuff on social media about it that is like um describing it more as a trait um but there is people actually out there and I worked with a lot of them in the hospital that actually have like narcissistic personality disorder and it's actually like an uncontrollable part of them that, yes, it can be, you know, healed and dealt with, but it's not like they're consciously making these choices about their actions. It's actually like, just like, I don't know, I have a bubbly personality. It's the same thing. They have a narcissistic personality. So yeah, there is, there is definitely that level of um, illness, I guess. Yeah.
1: It is a fine line because one thing I've really noticed from working with, not working with, training with, um, elite athletes is so, that like, I've seen over those 14 years, like I saw, you know, people who were very young come into a, an elite development program, who from and I've seen this multiple times, who from the beginning, for some reason, believed that they were going to be a world champion, mm-hmm. you know, like, at, at a place where they did not have that enough evidence, not for if it was me, I would not have had enough evidence, right. And yet, I feel like that belief, like wherever that's coming from, is definitely part of that person's success. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I remember a world champion saying to me, like very, very early in her career, like I just stand on the start line and I look around and I look at all the other women and I think I'm better than you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm like, she was young, right? Like that was her way of at least like 22, you know, and and I was like whoa like I like I wish I I almost wish I could get to like I stand on the start line and go holy fuck that girl's a good runner and this person over here can swim really fast and I you know like <laughs> so so I was like there's something to that right where it's like as long as it, it stays in the healthy zone maximizing that I think can actually help us r- realize our potential
0: totally I can definitely see that because like you know, the fear, like the fear that would come up for you of like, holy crap, look at all these people and they're better than me. It probably doesn't help. Right. Whereas like, um, you know, whether or not she actually believes she's better than all of those women, who the heck knows. But like having that as kind of like a psychological strategy for in the moment of like, I am powerful, I am strong, and I'm going to kick ass today. Like, that's awesome. Use it.
1: <laughs> totally. And to be fair, I have felt that before, but I, it took a lot more evidence, you know, yeah. like it's my, yeah. it's my academic yeah. side or something. Yeah. I think, and I think a lot of people are like that. Like they see, it's like, you see the next thing you see, okay, now I have a little evidence that I could get to that step. So I go there, but some people just seem to have these really massive steps. Like I'm slightly good at this and now I could be world champion, <laughs> you
0: know?
1: Um, and I kind of love it.
0: Yeah. yeah well and some of it I mean there's there's actually pretty good research on like visualization and like that type of stuff where like if you can see it, it it in theory happens but like I mean I think there's still limitations to that but I mean I don't know if if like a young athlete has been trained you know in their mindset stuff like from day one and visualizing and seeing themselves on the podium and all these types of things like I think they they I think they actually probably have a better chance of getting there than somebody that's never worked on that and seen themselves there because they've never even like, maybe not even considered that that's even an option or like not believed that it could be an option. But if you see it, it makes a big difference.
1: Yeah. It's like a, it's like a probability thing. Like it's not for sure going to be the thing that makes it work, but it's going to make it more likely to happen. You know? Cool. Okay. I love that. Maybe that's a great place to stop. Did you have any more advice you wanted to leave our audience with before we go?
0: Um, yeah, I think the last thing I'd say, I guess, just the audience is like, don't forget the basics. <laughs> I think like as athletes, we get super wrapped up in like all the technology and like uh, the first thing that pops into my head is those like recovery leg sleeve things that like compress and all the stuff and like help your blood flow. Like there is evidence that all that stuff works, like ergogenic aids, all these things, like they work, right? Like, but you know, if you're, you can use all of that kind of stuff as much as you want, but like, if you're not sleeping, if you're not managing your stress, if you're not eating well, so like, and not even just from a sports nutrition perspective, but just like general health, like these, all these types of things are like the foundation, right? So, um, you know, get back to the basics, start to focus on like being a healthy individual and like your performance will come. Um, so, you know, you don't have to waste all the time and money on those like big fancy technology things, unless you've already got the basics down pat, in which case then you're good to go.
1: I think triathletes need to hear that
0: once. again. Yeah. A <laughs> Uh, yeah it's hard there's so much stuff out there and it's really interesting and I love my compression boots <laughs> yeah I like I they work right like there's actually there's science and they help <laughs> I think I was addicted to them for a while you know because
1: my body became like ad- adapted to recovering that way like it yeah. didn't have to do the work because
0: the compression boots would <laughs> uh, I love that yeah well and it's true right it's not that it doesn't work so it's mm. it's cool but awesome. sleep and those things help sleep also more. works <laughs> Well, yeah,
1: Yeah. amazing. Okay, well, thank you, Jennifer, so much for being here. Um, Where can we find you?
0: Yeah, so my main um, Instagram is where I'm most active. Um, So you can find me at Ignite Health Coaching is my account. Um, And if you want to chat about anything or learn more about my programs or coaching or anything, um, you can jump on my website, which is ignitemyhealth.ca. Um, and so everything is there for you and, um, yeah, email, you can email me just right through my site. It'll get to me and can always connect there or on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink-it and pink-it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedda's. HEDAS designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. HEDAS unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. HEDAS have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, A breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape. A special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going. A narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles. And a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedas has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's feisty Twenty headas.com and it will all be in the show notes. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. You literally have nothing to lose. Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high-quality protein like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein.